0: Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod, 2019 edition. Uh, we just wrapped up the draft this past Monday, and um, you know, I thought we should do a, a post draft episode. Didn't get a pre draft episode out this year, but wanted to to look back on the most exciting night of the season by far. Um, kind of see how everybody's feeling about their teams at this point in time, and to take a closer look at at the results and some insights from The Look Back, brought everyone's favorite, Caleb Fleming, the author of Caleb's Corner, onto the pod to discuss things today. How's it going, Caleb? Hey, it's good to be back. I am
1: calling in from Sweden, and the most exciting night of the year that you just referred to, draft night, I was fast asleep. It was 3 o'clock here. So I feel a little bit more like I missed out, and I'm jealous that you guys got to
0: have – the Google Hangout session. Yeah, very different vibe from last year. Uh, Last year we had everybody in the same room, plus Sumner running the board for us, running the (laughs) clock. And this year we've had a little bit of displacement along, along members in the league. So Caleb, obviously in Sweden. We had Seth dialing in from Arizona. Zach down in Chattanooga expecting a baby on the night of the draft and Travis calling in from Minneapolis so we only had five people in the room drafting um, and everybody else was kind of dialing in on the line so very different vibe but still a very fun night
1: yeah do you think that do you think that Michael Benz wishes he'd stuck around for one more year before we became a distributed league
0: I don't know that's that's a great question um have not talked to Michael in a few months but If he had known this was the direction of the league, would he have stuck around? And for that matter, did
1: you think that the entire league would stick around? Sans Drew, of course, based on how things ended last year.
0: I hope so. I had that hope. I will admit to being an eternal optimist. And I was excited for it. I wanted to run it back. Um, But if you had asked me to place a bet... I I do not think I would have said everyone would have come back, uh, with the exception of of Drew, who had kind of stated that at the beginning of last year would probably need to, to take this season off to, to focus on school. But, um, yeah, when that email came in that everybody was, was ready to run it back, I was super pumped. What did you think? I thought that we would have more
1: new faces, if I'm being honest. And I thought that I personally would not be one of the returning faces. <laughs> You were
0: the one I thought was most likely to drop.
1: Yeah, I will wear that superlative uh, badge shamefully, but honestly, I I thought that, and I still have some concerns. That they're primarily now more about the time difference and how I will actually be able to engage with the NFL. I think it'll be just a lot. It'll take a lot more, uh, a lot more active involvement. Whereas before, I felt like I could really passively consume the the league um not our league specifically but the you know the shield so I think that's just going to be harder and we'll see how it goes I mean one o'clock games I'll be tuned in anything after that
0: I will not be yeah the the nice part of that though being ahead is that um you know kind of that early game at least injury final lineup decision making process you you should be in in good shape for that but those injury decisions in the later games um at least you have the opportunity to go the safer route and and make that decision beforehand instead of having to wake up at like 2 a.m and try to figure that out Mm -hmm. yeah I think the the main thing that would concern me would be a late scratch I just
1: can't really do anything about that and I think that's just gonna be
0: the price of being six hours ahead (laughs) Yeah, uh, you'll have to keep track of that in, in Caleb's corner and see if that that's a material difference maker for you at the end of the year.
1: I, to be honest with you, when I was making the decision on whether or not I wanted to come back or if I thought it would be a good idea, I did do a quick analysis on the breakdown of 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock games historically uh, because I was prepared to have that as my primary defense for leaving was that most games were... Uh, or I'd missed too many games. And I was surprised that there were so many one o'clock games. I don't think it'll be, it wasn't as extreme as I expected. Truly a a data-driven decision. Yeah, it's a little sad, I'd say,
0: but but I had to know. (laughs) Well, either way, super glad you're back. Um, Super glad to have some Caleb's corner segments coming this year Um, and really glad that, that everyone kind of ended up in the same spot and decided, you know what? We may have flown a little too close to the sun last year. We may have been a little ambitious in, in what we were attempting to do. And there may be some healthy resetting of expectations, a vague resetting of our general ethos and direction, if you will. Um, To reference a a episode right there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And to reference a Travis Paquil email um, at the beginning of the year. So there may be some of that, but, you know, in the spirit of creating pod content that people haven't asked for and maybe don't want, or, um, you know, stoking imaginative ways, whether that's a book or a combine, to, Get to know the guys in this league more, um, and just just enjoy this unique community that we have. Uh, I'm gonna try to fly just as close to the sun this year, so we'll we'll see how it goes.
1: I think that's a good word. It does feel a little bit odd that this first episode of season two feels like another pilot episode. So Oh
0: yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll if- season two, repilot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we have to really prove ourselves every year. I'm excited though. I think that I think you're right. We flew too close to the sun, but maybe we should try to
0: do it again and see what happens. I know there's a few people in the league that share my love of the show The Good Place, mm-hmm. and one of the the classic things that happens there is that they they go through these reboots and basically are run through the same experiment time and time again, and you know, we may have to reboot it a couple times, but I'm, I'm excited for reboot number one, season number two, you know, let's see what happens where we go,
1: where we end up on an individual personal level. I feel like I was able to benefit from one of those reboots just in sending out my, my airing of grievances email and getting really encouraging feedback from that. That felt like a kind of an energizing reboot one for Caleb. So thanks to everyone for that as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think overall a lot of people were glad to get that that sense of a clean slate and I don't think it was a sweeping of things under the rug either. I I think a lot of good came from that and you know, I'm I'm excited to see where it comes. So going from that, we touched on it a little bit, but the league is definitely a little more you know, dispersed geographically at least Um, everybody kind of moving out we've got four remote league members this year now Um, so could you talk to us a little bit about your personal move and what what life is like in Sweden right now
1: yeah I would love to do that so my family and I moved to Stockholm Sweden we are about 10 kilometers outside of the city center and we made that move in early April of this year, so we're going on five months now, which some days feels like forever, and others feels like we just got here. Uh, but it, it's been a lot of fun. It's a super different cultural experience. Um, everything from people speaking Swedish to the like the concept of everybody recycling and contributing to reversing climate change is just a totally unique thing for my um, American background. Uh, but it's been, it's been a real treat to get to do life in a different place and to get to introduce Jackson, my son, who's almost two now to a lot of new things. So he actually just started preschool uh, a week ago, or the the Swedish version of preschool, which starts when you're, uh, it's open when you're one. And then uh, you can pretty much do that until you're in real school. So that's been a really exciting change. Uh, my wife and I are expecting again any day now. We are 38 weeks, which is right when Jackson came. So that is another imminent change. And yeah, I the reason that we moved here is for me to work at Spotify. I am a data scientist on what's called the SDK team. And the core function of that team is to build the technical products or the back end behind the different Spotify what's called ubiquity platform. So if you think about any time you interact with Spotify outside of a mobile app, so like TV, speaker, car, web, wearable, stuff like that. We're um looking at data and trying to make the experience better. And that's been a really good change for us as well. I've really enjoyed being at Spotify too. Some other Sweden things, uh the the dad bod has taken a hit in a good way, depending on what you're interested in. If you're looking for more dad bod, it hasn't been good um, because I'm biking to work every day. That's super easy to do here, and I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, I think that's all I got on Sweden stuff. We accidentally bought, we bought sour milk once. That's our only grocery store mix-up so far.
0: Have we picked up any swedish is that the question yeah that that was the question i'm gonna ask about the sour milk real quick is that just an option they have there you can get sour milk if you want yeah it's just a thing people people do it wow um,
1: yeah a lot of dairy um the to answer your question about the language yes we have picked up on some phrases and some vocabulary words and the like basic greeting stuff but not anything really structured beyond that. We'll be taking Swedish lessons at some point soon, once life settles back down after baby number two. But that's on the that's on the radar. Jackson has actually, even just in being in school for three weeks, has started to use some Swedish like phrases. He'll say, uh, tita, which is like, look at that. So he'll point and say that. Um, or he'll say, tack, which means thank you. And Hey, which is goodbye i'll say all of those things pretty regularly now which is a lot of fun to kind of see him awesome see him pick that stuff up so yeah
0: it has been a a good change love that well so so excited to hear that things are going well for you Um, definitely excited to meet fleming number four uh, when you guys are back stateside um, but wishing you all the best in that process, and hopefully your baby's not born in a car like some other league members over the summer
1: so. yeah so that the funny thing is that that's not it's not super unlikely here well I mean we don't <laughs> we don't have a car uh it'll take like thirty minutes to get to the hospital, and we 'll have to call an Uber to get there, <laughs> so we will see we are we are as well hoping to. Have the child in the hospital, but it might not be in the cards. We'll see.
0: Fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, you want to pivot to some draft stuff? Yes. The start of the corner.
1: So, I've I've had a lot of thoughts about the draft on my mind, and the the core question that I think we all have to reconcile with is, does anything actually matter? And as it relates to the draft, the question that I had was, first of all, does the the pick order really change anything? Or was that a bit of a gimmick to improve engagement, uh, first of all? And second, is there is there any relationship between the the pick that you make or the, the round that a player is chosen in and how many points they'll actually score in a given season. So before I start on those things, let's take a walk down memory lane. And really, that's what my corner is kind of becoming. I think the more, the more that I look for these insights, it's, it's just about finding things that happened once and reminding people of them. Um, that's my analysis of what people have enjoyed. So A noble pursuit. Yeah. So drafts of old, 2015, our first our first year together, um, Matt drafted Eddie Lacy with the first pick, and ended up finishing tenth that year. And this is 2016. I had the first pick and I drafted Antonio Brown. I finished fifth. In 2017, Seth drafted Le'Veon Bell and finished third. And last year, as I imagine everyone remembers, Steven picked Todd Gurley and finished first. Um, so there's quite a, a range of final ranking represented there. And the, the insight that I would want people to take away is that um, having the first pick might just not matter all that much. I don't think that'll necessarily surprise anyone, but uh, maybe if you we're sitting with like the sixth pick or the fifth pick in the draft. This next thing will encourage you. So previous winners of the league in 2015, Seth was our winner, and he had the sixth pick. In 2016, Stephen's dynasty began, and he had the fifth pick. In 2017, Travis won, and he had the fifth pick as well. And then 2018, again, Stephen with the first is a a relative outlier in that space. So maybe the middle of the round is where uh, you should actually be shooting for. Um, but <laughs> having said that, does the draft matter? Well, for reference, Cody's draft grade last year was a D, and then Derrick Henry put up 48 points in the first round of the playoffs, and he ended up coming in second. So I think it's pretty safe to say that just because you, uh, you had a, a certain pick or your draft grade was something, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean good things are heading your way. We actually, because we're entering our fifth year, we now have – fifty-two weeks of non-playoff data points or of game weeks. And so that's sort of enough to start to see some actual trends emerge. We have we have five full drafts before that I looked at for this. Um, so what I started to do was build fairly simple linear models to try and correlate attributes like draft position and Yahoo draft grade with overall team points and final ranking. And for the most part, what I found was a lot of noise. There's definitely directional trends that serve as good, I would say, validation points or things that make me feel like I'm not crazy. So thinking about the overall pick number being negatively correlated with total points or like IE expected points for a late round pick or less than those of a first round pick, stuff like that. That trend is, is pretty pretty evident. But when you run all of these through an actual model and look at the um, the total points that an owner has or that an owner of a team accumulates over the year, uh, only 7% of that point variation was explainable by draft position. So it's not a strong predictor of, of overall points for a team in a year. Um, and then looking at the, this is sort of, I mean, it's very related, total points versus rankings, but if I ran the same thing and tried to, to find that relationship between draft position and a team's final ranking, only 12% of that was explainable by Um, this model. So draft position again is like, is not a strong predictor of end of season ranking. Um, And then the last thing that I looked at was similar attributes, but in terms of draft grade, sort of the does Yahoo actually know what they're talking about kind of question. And sorry, I'm getting rained on here. So I'm, I'm actually standing in a stairwell now. (laughs) Um, The, the, the draft grade, um, has a a stronger correlation. That was about 15% of point variation by team and about 20% of team ranking variation by team. Um, So there's some stuff there. It's mostly directional and I wouldn't put a lot of stock in it. But the point of all of this is to say that uh, the draft results can be kind of random or, or a lot of noise in terms of predicting or influencing outcomes at the end of the year. And I think that's what, what I sort of came to at the end of this process was that the fun or the, the point of why we play the game is to be able to identify these outliers and to get to celebrate having them on our team or to resent the other teams that they might be on. So thinking about last year's draft, for example, the impact that Mahomes and Connor had uh, for Travis and Matt or Edelman last year as well, or... Um, I throw George Kittle in that boat. Yeah, exactly. He is another one. Uh, so, yeah, what you see is that there's a lot of players that cluster around that, like, sort of vague <laughs> downward trend. Uh, and then these guys just really pop in certain areas. And that that's what we're here for. So um, don't be too discouraged if you had what you perceive to be a bad draft. And don't be too excited if you had what you perceive to be a good draft. Because uh, none of it
0: matters yet. Yeah, the thing I love about the draft and this this game in general is just we have so much incomplete information that we're trying to make these decisions on. And in the offseason, you've got rookie drafts, you've got head coaching changes, you've got free agents switching teams.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you've got... Shady
0: today. Yeah. Um, Andrew Luck retiring. Retiring. <laughs> completely unexpectedly. Um, same thing with Gronkowski retiring in the offseason. So you just... You have so much that you don't know. Um, People in in training camp are saying this guy's going to get 25 touches a game. You know, is that actually going to be five touches a game? Last year, nobody knew who Philip Lindsay was. And then, you know, he, he had a monster year. So it's exciting. There's a lot of fun. And one of the things that I was thinking about as you were going through those draft insights as well was just thinking of the impact of injuries and how that you know, you could draft the best player in the world at the 101. But if he gets injured in in week two, you know, that draft spot doesn't really help you out anymore. So. Exactly. Gotta
1: love it. Yeah. So for my my next insight, I wanted to update the, the question of what does it take to win? So looking back, I think this was in my first corner last year. I just ran some descriptive statistics on point values by team and whether they won or lost over the prior uh, three years. And so we have an additional year now. And I think that, I know that we've, we've sort of harped already on how as a league we, we flew too close to the sun, um, but the, the average or the median point value of a winning team last year was 15 points higher than in 2017. And so I'm willing to just using those two data points Make the leap and say that our engagement actually translated to better results on the computer field. And so this year, as you're as you're thinking about when you're looking at the projected points and you're thinking about what your team actually needs to achieve in order to win the game, instead of thinking about about 115 being a winning number, um, you got to think about 130 because that's what it was last year. Uh, Last year, we also had our highest scoring game ever, both by an individual and in a single game. Travis Piquel was in in both of those different games. Uh, The new high mark for a single team is 188. I'm hoping that this year is the year we break 200, and I'm willing for it to not be by me necessarily. I just think that's going to be a really fun mark to hit. The next thing, this is sort of a potpourri rapid fire insights before I'll get to the the final more bulky one. Um, I've created or I've identified something called the Century Club. And it's pretty exclusive. I hope for your sake that no one else joins it. But right now it's just myself, Travis and Sean. And the Century Club represents teams whose best and worst weeks in a given season or overall are more than 100 points apart. So for Travis last year, he had that one game where he scored 188 points, and then in another week he um, was down below 88, uh, which doesn't seem like you know 88 isn't exactly a a paltry week. We had people in the 50s, but um, because of because of that margin for him, it looks a little bit a little bit better. Any thoughts on the Century Club, Jamie? I just scared a flock of birds,
0: so sorry <laughs> for that background noise. <laughs> I, I love the adventures that you're having on your side of the podcast. So I'm just in my living room drinking some coffee right now. No no birds, no stairwells. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. The first thing that comes to mind is I know Sean had a pretty impressive Saints stack last year. I think he had Kamara Ingram and Michael Thomas. So I'm curious if that, that came during the Saints bye week when he had that that low number. Um, but then as, as you think about guys in this league, like Pat Mahomes, who had a historic year at the quarterback position, just thinking that, you know what, we probably are going to see some absolutely absurd numbers this year when it comes to um, total points scored and love that, that that is moving it up. The adjustment of the line from about 115 points required for victory to 130 I think man that's that's daunting to to kind of adjust that number but um yeah I'm hoping my team has enough of a floor to to keep me out of the century club this year. <laughs> yeah, and I will note that
1: the century club actually I should have said this up front was just for 2018. Uh we actually what's probably more prestigious is that there are only a few teams that have or actually there are only two active league members that are not a member of it. If we look back at all four years. So that's Cody. He has a a pretty small sample size. And then Seth, who is regularly one of our top performers has also never seen that differential. Um,
0: It's pretty crazy. I hate that coming for you this year. Seth. I think that, Seth, Travis,
1: Sean, and maybe Stephen are all in. They've played really well for our entire league existence. Uh, so maybe this year, one of them will repeat, or Sean will get his first title.
0: I I had a strong first two years in the league, and then the wheels completely fell off last year. So I'm I'm coming back. We'll see. So
1: <laughs> the, the next thing, this is for, for Matt McNichol, who I think more than any of us really wanted to be feared last year in those weekly polls.
0: Tears of fears. Um,
1: exactly, the tears of fears. And never, at least I don't recall, never saw his name climb to the top. And I think that in hindsight, we perhaps should have feared him a little bit. And here's why. Some end of the season or 2018 season reference points for him. Matt and Steven were the only two players in our league whose worst scoring week was even close to 100 points. Everyone else was in like 60s, 70s, 80s, pretty pretty bad weeks. Um, but for Matt and Steven, their worst weeks were 96 and 98. Uh, so all of that to say, they never really had bad weeks like the rest of us. They had off weeks where they didn't perform up to their standard, um, but certainly nothing like the 50s or 60s that that some of us had to bear through. So that's the first thing. That's the first reason that I think uh, that I think Matt was a little bit uh, underrated last year. The second thing is that he averaged the second most points per week behind only Steven again. So Steven averaged 136 points a week last year, which is insane to me. And then um, Matt was at 130. And on top of that, so this is a little bit, maybe a little bit more mathy, but I'll try to go slow and break it down. Um, on top of that, high average points per week, his point standard deviation, which is the, the measure of how much his score really would vary from week to week, was actually tied with Drew for lowest in the league. And no offense to Drew, but Drew was in the opposite situation where his best week was only two points better than Matt's average. Um, really what I'm getting at is that Matt was super consistently putting up um, pretty big numbers and because of that i think that on any given week he should have been maybe second or third in those tiers of fears i know that we always i think travis was a, a pretty frequent appearer at the top of that list and sean as well because they had such explosive weeks um, but their teams just were so much less consistent than than what we saw from matt and steven for example uh, and towards the end of the year, we all feared Steven and it felt like an inevitability of what was going to happen. But, um, I think subtly Matt was, was not far behind that. His team was loaded at
0: the end of the year. And I mean, he had Pat Mahomes at the beginning of the year, ended up packaging him in a trade for Aaron Rodgers, which I thought was a huge mistake at the time. Um, but yeah, at the end of the year, I think he had something like Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen. Ezekiel Elliott Joe Mixon like it was Dalvin Cook maybe um I'm, I'm not was he, was he ever healthy though yeah I don't know um but I mean his team was filthy at the end of the year he had probably five guys that were drafted or should have been drafted in the top two rounds um so he he had a strong team for sure I think I think the fact that he wanted to be feared so much may have also played into the fact that people didn't vote for mm-hmm. him. And that was a, that was another source source of pleasure for people in the voting. Um, aside from, aside from Steven <laughs> having a really strong team, um, knowing, right. I didn't, I didn't add like the troll weight yeah, in any of yeah, these analyses, I, but I think you're right that there's, I, a I think it was there. an element for sure. But yeah, now now that we're you, doing kind of the the post mortem, I will I will say Matt Matt had a very strong team and would have traded for his entire team in a second.
1: Concur. And he so on that note, have you did you ever hear of the game I think in, in some circles it's called Bigger or Better and in others it has like different names. Um I remember this from like different Christian ministries go- growing up, but you start with
0: oh, Kenny, like, yeah, for example, you
1: try to trade and you can trade, to trade right up. up. That to me was Matt's team last year. That felt like his like mantra. He didn't necessarily start with these like, I don't know, with like a dollar store team, but it did feel like he was trying to eke out like two points or three points in total from each of these trades. And he just shotgun sprayed so many of
0: these. That you're right, by the end of the year, he had this like incredible team. I mean, this isn't going to come as a shock to anyone in the league, but Matt is sending 25, 30 trade offers every week, and he did <laughs> yeah. gain incremental value from some of these. Like I said, I think he lost the the Pat Mahomes trade, should have held on to Patty, who who managed to defy regression and just keep scoring at a prolific rate all of last year. But as far as in-season trade moves went, I think Matt got the better of of some of those deals and and was able to create a really strong team at the end and did a good job of buying a little bit lower and really putting himself in a strong position at the end of the year. Yeah, agreed.
1: So one other mark, in addition to Travis's 188 all-time team high score that I want everyone to keep in mind this year is that we have we have one one metric that is, or one, one record that is not held by a current league member. So Eric actually has the record for most points in a single game for a single player. And that was Drew Brees in 2015 at 58. So something to look out for this week if you're trying to find your way into the record books or the corner. I'll say hot take. That comes down this
0: year. You think so? You think someone's going to break 60, for example? I'll say it. and It's going to be a quarterback, but I think the combination of guys like Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, but also some of these younger quarterbacks who I think are all on Robert's roster, um, like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, guys that can put up a ton of ground yards as well with those rushing stats, and combine that with with some touchdowns, I'm I'm saying it's coming down this year. I think that's
1: probably a not-so-hot, hot take. I think that you are probably <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> we'll see.
1: All right, the last thing that I wanted to go through, and Jamie and I actually had a, a pre-pod conversation about this, so uh, the the results have changed a little bit with more perspective for me. But I set out initially to relitigate the Joe Mixon trade. And the goal of this was to really really break down Jamie's statement that this trade was criminally negligent or collusionary or grossly incompetent. And the direction that this took is I, I did a handful of things. I looked at um, whether or not Seth actually won the trade doing this. Uh, And then I looked at if the same trade had happened in different years, looking at the same uh, pick numbers and rounds of those players who would have won those trades to see if it really was such a a crazy idea. Um, And then lastly, I um, sort of reframed the question to try to put a price on Seth's principles. So let's start from the top there. Um, a little bit of context, Jamie, jump in if you feel you need to add more to your your quote that some might say was harsh. So shortly after the draft, Seth traded Joe Mixon, 21st pick, for Dion Lewis, 53rd pick. That trade was vetoed by the league, right? Correct. And subsequently passed with the addition of Ronald Jones II, who um, I have just dropped today for unrelated reasons, and Emmanuel Sanders at 68. So it it ended up being, and this is the trade that went through, a 21 and a 93 for a 68 and a 53. Um, If we were to just look at the original trade, because I, I think that stances softened with the addition of those two other players um if we were to look at just the um just the original mix-in for dion lewis trade what what i found was that pause
0: zach edit this out yeah you know this is absolutely gonna end up in the podcast i don't i don't think zach actually edits these (laughs) looking first at the
1: specific pick number so trading a 21 for a 53 and this was your main objection objection jamie um Seth lost the trade by, or would have lost the trade, I guess, in that form by about three points per week, uh, or 44 points over the total season, which um, isn't that crazy, right? I think that you would, you had said when we talked about this earlier that you would take an additional three points every week. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that that would be a sensible thing to, to do. If somebody asked if you wanted three extra points per week, I think you should say yes. Um, but if we looked at the the outcome for this specific number, the specific pick number, so 21 and 53, over all other years, Seth would actually have won the trade by about two points per week or 30 points in total. So maybe, and maybe this is a little bit too generous, maybe Seth knows something about the 21st and 53rd picks that he was holding on to that made that trade less crazy.
0: But if not... (laughs) I have a feeling you're not going to give me that. I, I would contest it. I would say that's more exactly. noise than signal, but I'll I'll allow it for the moment.
1: You're you're onto something. So I had the same thought. Surely that can't be right, um, and it wasn't. I looked at the outcome by portion of the round. So, I have basically, like first half of the first round, first second half of the first round, first half of the second round, etc. Uh, so looked at people that were drafted at the top of the second and the top of the fifth um, and saw those averages over time. And it actually looks a, a lot worse for Seth and more normal to what I think you would have expected. So on average, this trade, if someone offered you a, um, a second round pick for an early second round pick, first half of the second round pick for your fifth round pick, um, you could expect to gain five and a half points a week which isn't a ton, but I think that that is pretty, pretty telling or at least validating of where you were coming from last fall, Jamie. And ultimately, I would say that this is the price of that specific Joe Mixon principle or rule. It was about a five-and-a-half point uh, compromise per
0: week. Yeah, which which once again seems a little bit low to me. I, I would expect... You know, most weeks that Joe Mixon should be outscoring Deion Lewis by five points, that's, that's, I think, a fair expectation to have. Um, But I I think that that was really the takeaway from a lot of Caleb's Corner segments last year is that all of this stuff is so close and the margins and the competitive advantage that you get by making – a better decision is so small that that ends up swinging these things that that five point average is probably more significant than it sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, what all of this comes down to, I alluded to earlier is that the name of the game is finding these outliers or finding those little areas of incremental value where, like you said, you can get five more points here that, um, get you closer to that 130, or uh, allow you to compensate for Derek Henry putting up 48 in the playoffs. I think it's pretty clear how I still feel about that moment.
0: Um, and I, would, yeah. I was also preaching the but- process over results last year of, okay, take, take the individual players out of it. I will trade my fifth round pick. I believe it was miles Sanders this year. I, I will trade him for anyone's second round pick. So if anybody wants to make that trade blindly, I'm more than happy to do it. And anything can happen throughout the course of a season. A guy gets benched, a guy gets injured, those types of things. So when you're making a one for one trade, you know, I I think it's a coin toss over who's going to end up winning that just based off of the injury factor. But when you're talking about probability, you're talking about likelihood. Give me give me the second round value over the fifth round value any any day of the week. And once again this is this is in the time between the draft and week 1 because the field is completely going to change once once the games start to count and you know the assumptions and the priors that we had in the preseason turn out to be true or completely false or that type of thing so it completely resets week 1 and we find out that what we thought to be the case was not the case but in in this time period right now Give me the second round value every time.
1: but but what you're saying is you agree that it's all noise anyway, right? <laughs> all, all what is noise? Every, everything is meaningless. It's Vanity. all. Yep. It's all random. <laughs> exactly. Cool. that's my that's my corner. On next episode, the next episode that will feature a corner whenever that may be, if the pilot is approved, we will dig into, we being myself, I guess, uh, we'll dig into the question of if running back actually matters. In the past, I've uh, delivered hot takes such as running back doesn't matter. And I would like to prove that out to everyone or disprove it for my own benefit. And then I'll just never (laughs) bring it up again. I'm here for it. Yeah, let's move into some of the... Have you had a chance to look through different team rosters? Is there anyone that you really fear right now? Um,
0: Let me ask you this first. Are you buying into the Steven hype that we've seen in the group? I I think it's overstated. Um, But, you know, Steven does have a really good team. I think Pat Mahomes is a cheat code. Um, And he's going to win some games just because of Pat Mahomes. So, I think any team that has Saquon Barkley and Pat Mahomes on it that, you know, those two guys could win him a game this year. And, um, I would not be shocked if there's a week that those two players outscore an opponent's team. So I think anybody
1: coming in against
0: him, uh, you know, should have an appropriate amount of fear, but there's, there's a couple teams out there. I thought Seth had a really good draft. Um, his, his team scares me a little bit, I think. And he's expressed some confidence, too. He feels like he has he a did. pretty good team, too. He, he said, I'm feeling great about my draft. Um, he says he, he always feels that way, but right. as some of your previous stats alluded to, you know he, he deserves to feel good about his teams most years. So um, he has that going for him. I thought Sean had a really good draft as well. I think the uh the Melvin Gordon and AJ Green kind of tickets, um, you know, are guys that he got a little bit later, but have traditionally been first, second, third round values. Um, and if if they come back and produce at previous levels, I think he's gonna have an incredibly strong team at the end of the year. Um, so I I thought he had a pretty good looking team as well. And then um, yeah, I think I think outside of those three, like I thought m- most teams drafted well this year, and it doesn't really look to me like anybody kind of didn't do their research beforehand or really got got taken to the cleaners and is is starting off from a deficit. Um, but I'm I'm also one of those people that believe that you you can't win the league on draft night, but you can lose it. And I don't think anybody lost it based off of their drafts, so.
1: Yeah, one other thing that I will note is that when I was looking at the historical draft grades, B, B, the B range, B plus, B, B minus, is the new average. So (laughs) I've spent a good bit of time on this pod already telling people that their teams aren't as good as they think they are. Um, And let me preface that by saying, I have no confidence in my own team. So let it be known, this doesn't come from a place of arrogance. Uh, I'm really just expressing the, the misery loving company component here. Um, But more often than not, that draft grade of B is what is given out. So if that's where you are, you're pretty much average with what the league's done in the past. If you have an A, you're, you're not in great company. Um, I've received that before and have finished last in the league. Um, not in that particular year, I think that was like a fifth place finish, and in uh, Matt finished tenth one year that he got an A. So you know it I think that that just goes to show you that you 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 really just want to be average or a little bit better than average at the draft. and then the stuff that you do during the season, whether or not that's random or noise or a little bit of luck and good timing, that's really where you you find those incremental gains to to win. But who am I to say that as someone with an average finish of like 6th or 7th? We, we need to hear what Travis and Seth and Steven are doing right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'd say one thing they're doing is they haven't made any moves post-draft. And I've, I've kind of been shocked by the activity post-draft so far. There have been a lot of moves Matt has already spent two percent of his um, free agent budget. <laughs> that I didn't, and I think you spent a dollar as well. What what is the uh, yeah? What is the rationale I, behind making bids? You're just burning money.
1: I I will gladly throw a dollar away for a defense. I don't think very highly of the Houston defense, and felt like New England would give me a better shot.
0: But so. who who do you think's bidding against you at August 28th? <laughs> That's a fair question. Uh, I don't know. Some people,
1: I thought that, I didn't think anyone would bid against me, but I thought that people would bid at zero, maybe. And I didn't want to lose because of the, like, priority order
0: with a zero bid. You know, I don't have to justify. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't put you on trial, here, but... <laughs> The real uh, but yeah, that's
1: how what a steal Greg Olson was today for me to pick up. Could be not a question. Could that's be just a, that's just a fact. That's a, we're all going to look back on this and wonder why he was sitting there so long.
0: It's it's injury scare. This Yachty you memory,
1: know, a true tight end one. As long as he's on the field, so that that's
0: that's what it is. Yeah, as long as he's on the field. Oh, I didn't. I was hoping you wouldn't hear that part as clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so. no, this audio is surprisingly good. Can't even tell you're in Sweden. All right. <laughs> that is true. It is good. Um, what else do you have for us, Jamie? Um, so Seth was the only person that submitted a quote about his team. Oh, yeah. and 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 we kind of talked about that, but... I I made up a few other quotes and just wanted to see if you could guess whose whose team I'm talking about here. So I think I have like four or five for you. Um, but who who did I think would say this about their team? I feel confident. I was able to draft the best team that won't make the playoffs.
1: <laughs> that sounds like something I would say, but I or <laughs> Drew even. <laughs> um,
0: I'm going to go with Zach. Uh, I went with Travis on that one. Mm. So the thought there is that Travis was consistently in those Tears of Fears polls last year and had a a lot of respect on his name, but didn't end up making the playoffs. And looking at his team this year, I see a lot of things I like. Uh, You can't hate a team that starts off with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Travis Kelsey, I thought as a mid second round pick, um, I expect him to be the highest scoring tight end this year and potentially by quite a few points. Um so a lot to like there, but you know, overall I'm not as scared as Tra- of Travis as I am of some of those other teams. So that's where I went with that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see those other people that you named as well being good answers for that. <laughs> It's really
1: it's the crowd of pessimists that have seen very little success in this league. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. bears
0: on you. All right, here's your second one. If T G has two knees, you can give me that Roomba now. <laughs> um Is that Seth? That's Matt McNichol. Who Ooh. has Todd Gurley. Oh. And that's Uh, Matt goes Christian McCaffrey with his first pick gets Keenan Allen uh, coming back on the second and then um, picks up Todd Gurley in the third round and as you mentioned last year Todd Gurley the 101 um, he scored a ton of points last year but you know has this arthritic knee and there's a little bit of panic a little bit of worry around him as a player this year but there's a reason he went first in almost every single fantasy draft last year. And mm-hmm. if he is close to the player that he was last year, and I think there's some reason to believe that he is can be. Um you know, Christian McCaffrey and Todd Gurley as your your two running backs almost doesn't sound fair. So, yeah,
1: that's incredible, but you know, it's not it's not 2018 anymore either. So, Oh, I'm, we'll see. But having said that, Matt, if you're if you're listening, I have, I have the girly handcuff. So you have one of them. Of I have one of it them. Could yeah. be
0: Malcolm Brown is is the better play there. We don't know. All right,
1: now's a good time to reveal that my quote was, I don't know anything about football, so maybe you're right. But I'm relying pretty heavily on tooltips that I see in Yahoo
0: and feeling very confident
1: about Daryl Henderson. Okay.
0: That's fair. Uh, for your quote, I had, I wish I didn't live in Sweden and could have drafted my own team. Okay, yeah. That sounds like something I would say.
1: But Drew, I, be honest with me. What do you think about my roster? I didn't feel disappointed in, in Drew's performance.
0: Yeah, you felt you which, felt okay with your replacement-level drafter this year?
1: I felt okay with it. I don't, I mean, I look at when you were talking through Steven's team, I was feeling a little bit of envy and wondering how he was able to get some of these players <laughs> uh, all on the same roster. And I, so from that standpoint, I don't, I don't think that I had the best draft, but I don't see any real, I don't see any big red flags either. So I'm satisfied.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm more nervous about Damian Williams now at his ADP level with LaShawn McCoy coming yep. into the fold that, you know, it's just really hard to tell, okay, north of 30, is Shady kind of on the back end? Is he done? Is he washed? Or is it just that Buffalo had a horrendous offense last year? And, right. you know, he's going to come in and it's going to be more of a 50-50 timeshare with Damian Williams. Right. and you know five five or six token touches a game so i i would feel a little bit more nervous about that damian williams in in the second third round than than i would before but alvin kamara is going to ball amari cooper i think could could have a really strong year and put himself up in that conversation of like a mike evans or um you know kind of those second tier Wide receiver, one guys um, mm-hmm. expecting steps forward from the Cowboys' offense, and then same thing with Carson Wentz. I think the Philly offense is going to be super explosive, and QB is just such a strong position this year that I think pretty much every team in the league feels good about their quarterback. But um, yeah, there's no there's no huge holes on your team by any means. But yeah, I felt better before
1: the shady news today. But I can't. I certainly can't put that on Drew. I I think that I mean I don't look at this team, and I would not, if I were anyone else in this league, fear facing me on any given week. Um, but I I feel like there's there's some potential. I I guess I'll say this. I don't think that I don't think that I lost on the draft.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's just you know when you're looking at who who are the guys that are gonna blow up for right. me. I think you've got Kamara and you've got Carson Wentz and Amari Cooper did it like two or three weeks last year where he had like a three touchdown game or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think the guys on your team like Mike Williams or Jared Cook or Allen Robinson, solid players, but don't necessarily have the ceiling of some of these other teams where, you know, Todd Gurley and Christian McCaffrey could just dominate a team one week and then put up 50 a week come on yeah (laughs) so i i think you you've got like a strong team of starters but just don't necessarily have some of the upside as as some of the other teams but once again that all changes week one let's talk a little bit about summoners
1: team our newest newest league member
0: Yes, couldn't, couldn't make the in-person draft. Didn't see him in the, the Google Hangout. So we didn't get uh, as much insight into his mindset and how he was feeling about his picks. What, what were you seeing? Uh, when
1: I look at his team, I see a lot of things that have frightened me in the past. <laughs> I see really just players that I had last year. So looking at Drew Brees and all I can think about is his backup being brought into the... Jason yeah. Hill being brought in goal line to run some shitty QB sneak play. Uh, stuff like I think about that. I think about how Julio can't score touchdowns. Um, I think he's getting five extra points a week from Joe Mixon. Uh, <laughs> the point principal. Uh, Duke Johnson, I think, is like a small scale boomer bust <laughs> kind of player. He could have a big year, but if he never scored more than like 10 points in a week, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, And then Ebron is on his bench, so I'm really just going through the things that kind of trigger me a little bit. Um, I just don't see having the same kind of year that he did last year. So I don't know. I, I feel if I were him, I would feel pretty good looking at this starting roster. Uh, but because I'm not him, and I had to deal with all of these or a lot of these players last year, I feel a little bit less enthused.
0: Yeah, I had Sammy Watkins last year, so I can I can empathize with <laughs> some of that. Oh man, this guy was on my team, and he kind of burned me a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think it's strong across the board, and if Montgomery, Ingram, and Duke Johnson kind of outproduce expectations like i i think he's got a chance to have a dynamite team so i like chris godwin on his bench i think you know he could get a lot more run in that flex spot this year than duke johnson and um could some weeks push sammy watkins to the bench so i'm pretty high on chris godwin this year i think chad kelly is the questionable one for me who's drafting chad kelly where did that come from <laughs> and I was I was blowing up the comment section during the draft of drafting two QBs is for suckers, drafting defenses and kickers is for suckers. There were a lot of suckers on draft day, but uh drafting three QBs and one of them being Chad Kelly, I I would need to see some strong evidence for why he's deserving of a bench spot right now. I'm um, I don't think you need to draft your backup quarterback. I think that that's a a filler spot that you
1: can kind of wait and see as your bye week approaches.
0: And there's you always want to pay attention to the differences in your league. So in our league, quarterbacks get six points for a touchdown. So a quarterback is a little bit more valuable in our league than um, you know what the standard fantasy analyst might say, um, just because we have that touchdown position. But kind of like i was saying before it's just such a deep position this year that um you know it's do you really want to devote a a bench spot to that but with that tight end um with that touchdown premium you know that's that's definitely a consideration and then you got to take in the human behavior of the other people in the league so if people in this league are more likely to roster a second quarterback that means when you go to the waiver wire you know the quarterbacks that are out there aren't the same as the fantasy analysts are are telling you you can probably get in that week because they're already stashed on someone's bench. So even though in a traditional league and in an optimal way of thinking, you probably don't want to take a second quarterback, I think due to those factors, um, there's definitely an argument for doing it, especially if um, you're kind of worried that in a bye week or something like that, that you might not be as happy with the players that are out there. So I say that tongue in cheek that drafting a second quarterback is for suckers, but um, I was pretty happy to get Jameis Winston with a very late pick. um, And I think he'll, he'll have plenty of good weeks and I feel good about it. Decided to go with some high upside running backs that, you know, are kind of lottery tickets at this point, but that's kind of, who I want on my bench right now and take a little more information week one.
1: Yeah. So, but you're, you're going to have to drop two of them before week one, right? Yeah. You just, and even, even based at,
0: at, no, I'll, I'll grab a guy, uh, a defense and a kicker before week one. And Dontrell Hilliard, um, even just based off of the moves that the Browns made, um, you know, he's a high likely cut and Chase Edmonds, um, you know, assuming, David Johnson doesn't tear an ACL in the next week he'll be the second cut but but yeah I mean and until the games start, really no point in holding on to him seeing what happens
1: yeah I think that's a that's a good word uh, especially with I mean even just thinking about like the news of Shady being traded or going to the chiefs um a lot can still change before next weekend yeah. Or I guess Thursday, right? Is it Thursday? I, haven't, I think so. I, I don't know. That's, I haven't even looked. Yeah, I won't see it if it is. So. <laughs> um, all right. Any other any other thoughts? Any other pod worthy thoughts to share? Um, I don't think for my side. I think I'm all set too. I'll uh, I'll be back. If the pod continues, I'll be back to share some more insights as we start to roll on. Maybe we can do a mailbag episode. It seems like you were pretty successful in collecting the um, the quotes for <laughs> for how people feel about their team. So surely um, a mailbag is a good logical next step.
0: Yep. We'll we'll see where where engagement goes.
1: And then, actually, one other thing: I'll be, or my ho- my whole family will be back in the U.S. from just after Christmas until the turn of the new year, until I think like January eighth ish. We'll be in Charlottesville for a good chunk of that time. So, um, would love to find a way to make a league a gathering happening with as many as many members as we can get.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, happy thirtieth uh, birthday! By the way, any any big insights from turning the big 3 three zero? I am
1: deathly afraid of aging, and this was another another step closer <laughs> to that. <laughs> so that's my that's my big insight is that getting old is a a scary thing, and I got a little bit older this summer. Just just a little. Yeah, so that's a nice high note for us to to leave on for those that make it all the way through the episode.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to wrap it up, taking it back to the general resetting of our ethos and direction. Um, and just kind of the, the reboot that we talked about. Um, super excited to, to get to know everyone better again this year. And I just enjoy talking to everybody in the league. Um, but wanted to dedicate this episode to Seth, um, Yeah, it was was really sad to hear about some of the stuff that he's going through right now. Um, And I know he's excited for a post-draft pod. So wanted to dedicate this reboot episode to Seth, and we're praying for you, buddy. Yeah, agreed. Much love, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Hopefully my co-host, Matt, will be able to join us for that one. Um, But looking forward to the season, and right now everybody's tied for first. So a lot of reason for optimism <laughs> it's the best time of the year we're all tied for first <laughs> there is hope <laughs> all right uh caleb you want to hit us with the the classic sign
1: off yeah and i say this to everyone with the exception of seth go fall in a well